Jesus of Nazareth's real name is Yeshua, and that every time you speak the name Jesus, you are in actuality saying, Hail Zeus, a term created by the Roman Empire in an attempt to ease the transition from Roman paganism to Christianity. The true name of the man and Messiah we know as Jesus is Yeshua, translating to Joshua in Hebrew. Yeshua is believed to have been an Anunnaki hybrid, half human, half extraterrestrial, who was a of elevating human consciousness and bestowing higher vibrational frequencies upon humanity, which he succeeded in. However, the Roman Empire and Catholic Church twisted and hid his entire teachings and life story from the public's knowledge. This intriguing narrative is drawn from ancient Gnostic Christian texts, such as the Gospel of the Holy Twelve and the Nag Hammadi, which were excluded from the canonical Bible by the Vatican. According to these texts, Jesus embarked on a remarkable journey during his formative years to Egypt, India, and Tibet. At the tender age of 12, he ventured to the pyramids of Giza in the company of his mother, Mary, to become an initiate of the ancient Egyptian mystery schools. From there, he voyaged to distant eastern lands like India and Tibet, where he acquired knowledge of reincarnation, cosmic spirituality, and the art of Reiki healing. The prophecy of his birth was delivered by extraterrestrial beings that were really Anunnaki aliens, but mistaken as angelic angels of God, possessing advanced technology, including a flight machine that looked like wings and bright glowing armor which appeared godlike to our ancient ancestors. Our ancestors lacked the vocabulary to describe advanced aliens or spacecrafts. It is prominent to know any time a highly advanced species contacts a lower advanced species, the lower advanced species will deify that species. In biblical text, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the never been easier to help preserve the simple joys of our world with clean choice energy of the house of david the virgin's name was mary and he came to her and said greetings mary do not be afraid you have found favor with god you are to become a mother and have a son he will be great he will be called the son of the most high luke 126 he then says the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will cover you. The Holy Child you give birth to will be called the Son of God. From a modern perspective, this... My grandmama, who raised me, like, when I was little, like, who I was I spent a lot of time with and stuff, though, her name was Mary. And she, she didn't have no kids. I mean, I ain't gonna say she was a virgin or never, though, but I kind of get what I'm saying, though passage unveils a truly astonishing viewpoint. When the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and conveyed the concept of virgin conception, it may not have been a result of a divine intervention, but rather a process of artificial insemination or vitro fertilization, which is a type of fertility treatment where eggs are combined with sperm outside of your body in a laboratory. That's the, the hybrid people that's here now. The, the test tube babies, Test two babies, the the orphan trains, all the white people and a lot of the black people are made without a womb. In the Gospel of the Holy Twelve, Mary's mother, whose name was Elizabeth, was a virgin birth, as well meaning the same process of in vitro fertilization was used with Jesus' grandmother in ancient times. 
This notion draws parallels with the ancient Sumerian Babylonian tablets, where Isis, also known as Ninhasag, utilizes similar genetic methods to birth the first Homo sapiens sapien Adam. This is all advanced science and technology being used in ancient times disguised as magic or godly power. Within this intriguing framework, it is theorized that Yeshua, also known as Jesus, emerges as an extraordinary hybrid, blending genetic material from both unspecified Anunnaki forebears and his human lineage through Mary. This concept potentially sheds light on the accounts found in the Nag Hammadi texts, where Jesus is described as marrying and having offspring, potentially contributing to the perpetuation of the Merovingian bloodline, which endures till this day. To truly fathom the enigmatic years and unanswered questions surrounding Yeshua, we must journey back in time, roughly three decades prior to his birth, to the tumultuous terrain of Judea and ancient Israel. Here, a land oppressed by the formidable grip of the Roman Empire, the Jewish community viewed the Romans as foreign oppressors. King Herod, a mere figurehead installed by Emperor Augustus, was charged with upholding Roman rule. Yet the whispers of a messiah, a deliverer destined to free the Jewish people from Roman subjugation, echoed across the region. Many vied for this revered title. Among the many was a rebellious slave named Simon of Perea, whose tragic end of being killed and not surviving cast an even larger shadow of hopelessness three decades prior to the arrival of Yeshua, also known as Jesus. At the age of 12, following a profound conversation with rabbis, Yeshua and his mother embarked on a journey to Egypt. Their purpose was to facilitate Jesus' initiation into the ancient Egyptian mystery schools, which boasted a legacy stretching back 30,000 years before his era. The mysteries contained therein transcended earthly and cosmic boundaries. Initiates purportedly gained the ability to levitate, manipulate fire, exist underwater, withstand extreme pressure, endure injuries without harm, glimpse into the past and future, become invisible, and heal illnesses. They held the key to altering the natural order and harnessing divine attributes. The core teaching of these mystery schools revolved around the revelation that death was but an illusion, and immortality was not only attainable, but also an inherent aspect of human existence. Initiates were said to have lived, died, and been reborn within a single lifetime. This concept, rooted in the Egyptian mystery schools, resonates with the principles and ways of the Jedi Knights from the movie series Star Wars. Yes, Jesus and all the initiated students were Jedi Knights of a kind, keepers of all ancient and spiritual knowledge beholden from regular men. The Egyptian mystery schools were legendary, shrouded in secrecy and known to be the crucible of enlightenment and defenders of light. Many had attempted to enter and learn the ancient secrets, however you had to already have deep connection to nature and self, so only a very keepers of all ancient and spiritual knowledge beholden from regular men. The Egyptian mystery schools were legendary, shrouded in secrecy and known to be the crucible of enlightenment and defenders of light. Many had attempted to enter and learn the ancient secrets, however you had to already have deep connection to nature and self, so only a very few were chosen to become a student of the ancient mysteries. The trials within were brutally difficult, testing not only one's physical endurance, 
but also the depths of their spiritual and mental fortitude. With unwavering determination, Jesus embarked on his journey into the heart of these ancient mysteries. He walked barefoot through the desert, a lone figure guided by the North Star. Along the way, he encountered wandering ascetics and wise sages who shared their wisdom and prepared him for the trials that lay ahead. Upon reaching the ancient temples and sites of the mystery schools, Jesus was met by the stern gaze of the gatekeeper, an elderly Egyptian sage with eyes that seemed to pierce into the very soul. Without a word, the gatekeeper led Jesus through the colossal temples into a world hidden from the common eye. Inside, the schools were a labyrinth of dimly lit corridors, each leading to a different chamber of enlightenment. In one chamber, Jesus was immersed in scorching heat, forced to endure until he found the coolness of inner peace within himself. In another, he faced illusions and mirages that sought to distract him from his path. But Jesus, with his unwavering faith, saw through these illusions and pressed on. The most harrowing trial of all awaited him in the chamber of reflection. There, he was confronted with his deepest fears, doubts, and the allure of power and temptation. It was a battle of the soul, a test of whether he would remain true to his divine purpose or succumb to the darkness of his ego that lurked within every human heart. For months to years, Jesus wrestled with his inner demons, his body emaciated, his spirit bruised, but his faith unbroken. In the end, he emerged from the chamber of reflection, radiant and transformed. He had conquered the trials, and in doing so, he had become a spiritual messiah of Christ consciousness. According to the Gnostic Gospels, Yeshua's last and final test of initiation was the ceremonial crucifixion inside the pyramids of Giza, a stark departure from the brutal crucifixion traditionally associated with him in his later years. It was a test of consciousness control, where Yeshua, through breath control and meditation, entered a cataleptic state. His heart ceased to beat, his breath stopped. And so we come back to the exemplar known as Jesus the Christ, who is said in Revelations 11.8 to have been crucified in Egypt. Revelations 11.8 reads, And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. After these transformative experiences he had in Egypt, Yeshua's early years journey continued. His next quest led him through the arid deserts of the Middle East and into the vibrant bazaars of ancient Persia. Guided by the North Star and an inner compass that never wavered, Jesus ventured further eastward, arriving at the sacred banks of the Ganges River in India. In India, he encountered sages and mystics who held the keys to profound spiritual knowledge. Jesus immersed himself in their teachings, absorbing the wisdom of yoga, meditation, and the intricate energies that flowed through the universe. Yet, he felt a deeper calling, a whisper from the mountains of Tibet, where ancient secrets awaited. Leaving behind the bustling streets of India, Jesus embarked on a treacherous journey through the towering peaks of the Himalayas. His path was fraught with peril, but his determination was unshakable. Finally, he arrived at a remote Tibetan monastery, nestled among the snow-capped mountains. Inside the monastery, ancient monks, their faces etched with the wisdom of millennia, welcomed him. They recognized Jesus' spiritual potency, and their eyes spoke of a shared purpose that transcended language. 
Through meditation and contemplation, Jesus learned the art of Reiki healing from the monks. The monks taught him to channel the universal life force energy, known as Qi or Qi, through his hands. They showed him how to harmonize the body's energy centers with Kundalini healing and chakras. Then also, how to send healing vibrations to those in need and channel connections to manifest physical food, wine and water under command of his mind and tongue. Under their guidance and his unfathomable focus, Jesus honed his abilities, knowing that he was truly a son of God and Christ in the flesh, which Christ is enlightenment and awareness of self that any being can achieve, becoming an immortal mortal from Christ consciousness. As Jesus delved deeper into the ancient teachings, he also learned about the cycle of reincarnation. The monks shared stories of souls that traversed countless lifetimes, each incarnation an opportunity for growth and spiritual evolution. Jesus embraced this concept, knowing that he too had journeyed through time, with each life serving as a stepping stone on his path to enlightenment. Years passed, and Jesus' time in Tibet drew to a close. The monks, who had become his spiritual brothers, bidded him farewell. Leaving Tibet, Jesus returned to the lands of the Middle East, carrying with him the profound knowledge of Reiki healing and the wisdom of reincarnation which he introduced to the people of Judea. He began his ministry not only as a spiritual leader, but also as a healer, using his hands to channel the healing energies he had mastered in India and Tibet. Throughout his life, Jesus shared his teachings of love, compassion and healing, and his profound understanding of the interconnections of all beings. His journey to India and Tibet had transformed him into a divine messenger, and his legacy would echo through the ages, inspiring seekers to explore the depths of spirituality and the healing power that resides within us all. Remarkably, these unconventional claims find support in historical accounts. In the late 19th century, a Russian doctor named Nicholas Notovich embarked on extensive travels through India, Tibet, and Afghanistan. At the Tibetan Buddhist monastery of Hemis, he stumbled upon a document titled The Life of Saint Isa. This document narrates the story of a young man named Yeshua, born in Israel, who was considered the son of God by Vedic scholars. From the ages of 20 to 29, Yeshua was educated in Buddhist texts. This newfound knowledge aligns with the concept of the three wise men and suggests that Yeshua traveled to India at the age of 18, where he learned and taught as a Buddhist. This narrative gains further credibility from the Gospel of Thomas, a text excluded from the modern Bible. It reveals Yeshua's profound spiritual teachings alongside his Buddhist and Hindu-like beliefs emphasizing the inner journey to self-discovery and the recognition of the immortal spirit within. Gospel of Thomas says these are the actual sayings of Jesus. The first three passages of the gospel reads, and he said, whoever finds the interpretation of these sayings will not experience death. Jesus said, let him who seeks continue seeking until he finds. When he finds, he will become troubled. When he becomes troubled, he will be astonished and he will rule over the all. Jesus said, if those who lead you say to you, see the kingdom is in the sky, then the birds of the sky will precede you. If they say to you, it is in the sea, then the fish will precede you. Rather, the kingdom is inside of you and it is outside of you. When you come to know yourselves, then you will become known. 
and you will realize that it is you who are the sons of the living Father. But if you will not know yourselves, you dwell in poverty, and it is you who are that poverty. Tenth Annual Hunger Games are soon approaching. Enjoy the show. I love Christmas because it's an opportunity to help children around the world. After two decades of exploration, Yeshua returned to Jerusalem to share his teachings and become the savior and messiah to his people. He gathered a following of men and many women, including Mary Magdalene as his most ardent supporter. Despite her pivotal role, some sought to tarnish her reputation, relegating her to the status of a prostitute in biblical texts. Nevertheless, historical evidence reveals her as a significant disciple who even built a church dedicated to Yeshua that is still standing in Israel. An intriguing cultural context arises when we consider that Jewish rabbis were traditionally required to marry to better understand the human experience. This tradition suggests that Yeshua too most likely had a wife and children, which does not lessen who he was or him being the Messiah. It was a mandatory tradition of the Jewish culture to be married and have children. What made Yeshua different from every person on this planet was his message and promise of afterlife for all people. The prevailing Jewish philosophy at the time was rooted in the belief that life began with the breath and ended with its cessation with no heaven or hell ideology that was later created by the Vatican. Yeshua's teachings challenged this core belief, asserting that conscious awareness transcended physical death. This heretical notion threatened the very foundations of Judaism and contributed to Yeshua's characterization as a religious revolutionary ultimately leading to his crucifixion. In essence, Yeshua's crucifixion, as depicted in this unconventional narrative, was a conscious act to demonstrate the immortality of the human spirit. This act aimed to unite Jewish beliefs with those of other cultures, recognizing the persistence of conscious awareness beyond the physical realm. The second crucifixion of Jesus Christ is one of the most profound and debated events in human history and it has been portrayed differently in various biblical accounts. While the New Testament Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John offer slightly varying alternative endings in many different translations on the crucifixion. However, some historical and theoretical discussions have arisen over the years, exploring the possibility that Jesus may have survived the crucifixion. In the ancient city of Jerusalem, during a time of great tension and political unrest, Jesus stood before the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. The room was dimly lit, and the air was thick. Crucify. Crucify means to increase in power a thousandfold. With anticipation, as Pilate questioned this enigmatic Messiah from Galilee, Pilate, a shrewd and pragmatic ruler, was intrigued by the claims surrounding Jesus. Many had hailed him as a king, and yet his demeanor and message were unlike any earthly monarch. Pilate, seeking to understand the nature of Jesus' kingdom, asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? With calm and unwavering conviction, Jesus replied, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. John 18.36 Pilate furrowed his brow, puzzled by this response. He had expected a straightforward answer. But Jesus spoke of a kingdom that transcended the earthly realm. 
Sensing Pilate's confusion, Jesus continued, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. This statement by Yeshua, also known as Jesus, can be interpreted as his heritage was royal from another world or planet, and he was sent here to transcend mankind's consciousness the best he could for the time period he lived in. Later in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is described as being crucified and later buried in a tomb, with no suggestion of an alternative ending. Similarly, the Gospel of Mark, which was written 300 years later, tells the story of Jesus' crucifixion and the followers seeing his tomb empty and eventually seeing him later revived from death with no wounds. However, the oldest original translation from Aramaic to Greek of the Dead Sea Scrolls, which the scribes referenced. The story tells an unfinished story of the women disciples walking to the tomb and nothing else. This leaving no clarification on what really happened after Yeshua's burial, and the scribes had to finish their story on their own with their writing prowess. One theory is that Jesus may have experienced a form of suspended animation on the cross, resembling a deep coma. In this state, his vital signs could have become so weak that onlookers mistakenly assumed him to be dead. After being taken down from the cross and placed in a cool tomb, he could have been easily revived by angels who were really Anunnaki extraterrestrials and could have revived him in a technological rejuvenation chamber, which can heal wounds and the revive you from a deathly state. It's important to note that these theories are highly speculative, but many of them can be possible due to all the accounts and text stating Yeshua living on and preaching under the name of the Egyptian. 20 years later, from the crucifixion on the mountain of Olives, preaching the same teachings of Yeshua, in the same location which can be found in the book of Josephus. Nevertheless, the crucifixion of Jesus remained a central event in Christian theology, symbolizing his sacrifice for humanity's sins. However, we learn that the Council of Nicaea twisted the original idea Yeshua stood for and fabricated a viewpoint to keep the general population in fear of going to hell and pay penance to them for heavenly reward. This idea suggests that individuals may follow moral or religious principles, not because they are inherently virtuous or godly, but because they fear negative consequences, such as burning in hell for eternity. The Catholic Church, which was established by the Roman Emperor Constantine hundreds of years after Yeshua's crucifixion, made Christianity and the story of Yeshua into the main religion. However, to get all the people to converge their beliefs, Yeshua's name was changed to Ezeus, to match with the Greek god Zeus, and early depictions of Jesus in the Roman Empire were statues of a young Zeus who was now meant to represent Yeshua, also known as Jesus. The letter J did not come into the name Jesus until as late as 1524, when it was invented by Gian Giorgio Trissino. Constantine, the first Roman emperor to openly embrace Christianity, had a complex relationship with the faith that has intrigued historians for centuries. While it's not entirely accurate to say he did not really like Christianity, his conversion appears to have been driven by a combination of political pragmatism and power plus reputation of the people. In the early 4th century, as Constantine sought to unify the vast Roman Empire, he recognized the potential benefits of a single, unifying religion. Christianity, with its growing popularity, offered a compelling opportunity.
However, Constantine's own religious beliefs and practices had deep roots in Roman paganism, and he may not have been entirely comfortable with the new Christian faith's tenets. To bridge this gap, Constantine implemented a policy of syncretism, blending elements of prior paganism with Christianity. He saw this as a way to ease the transition for his subjects and maintain a sense of continuity with traditional Roman religious practices. As a result, some aspects of pagan rituals and symbols found their way into early Christian practices. For example, the date of Christmas, December 25th, Slash was chosen to coincide with the Roman pagan festival of Saturnalia and not the actual birthday of Jesus. In 325 AD, Constantine convened the First Council of Nicaea to address theological disputes within the Christian community. While this council aimed to establish a unified Christian doctrine, it was also influenced by Constantine's desire for religious cohesion in his empire. The Consumer Reports rates Subaru as the 2023 best mainstream automotive brand, and the Subaru Cross... The Nicene Creed, formulated during this council, helped standardize Christian beliefs all into one book by utilizing ancient Sumerian tablets and many other ancient tablets to create a story and guideline for mankind. Unfortunately, they also made it reflect the political interests of the time. In essence, Constantine's embrace of Christianity was multifaceted. It served both his political agenda of unifying the empire and his personal beliefs which were likely influenced by his upbringing in a pagan Roman world. His efforts to merge pagan traditions with Christianity were not uncommon during this period of transition, and they left a lasting imprint on the development of Christian rituals and symbolism. Constantine's legacy as the Christian emperor remains a complex chapter in the history of the faith, illustrating the interplay between Jesus and religion in ancient times. Despite the Roman Empire's claim to represent Yeshua's teachings, Yeshua's enduring impact extends far beyond the confines of religious boundaries. He emerges as a deeply significant spiritual icon, challenging established beliefs and offering humanity the hope of reaching a higher state of spiritual being and the true ideology of the creator of all and not the false god of the Bible. Whether you regard Yeshua as the one and only Messiah, an extraterrestrial hybrid with connections to the Anunnaki, or as an exemplar of enlightenment attainable by all in the form of Christ consciousness, his narrative continues to serve as a wellspring of inspiration and a catalyst for profound introspection. His life and testament beckons us to delve into the enigmatic facets of existence and explore the boundless potential inherent within the human soul. Regrettably, the teachings and principles associated with Yeshua have undergone transformations due to the Council of Nicaea and the influence of the Roman Empire. If Yeshua was here now, he would definitely have angst towards the Vatican from the dogma of religion they created of his name and teachings. If you like this video, please like, share and subscribe to Astral Legends on YouTube for more ancient myths and legends. May the light forever guide and be with you. See you on the next episode.